severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Just Get A Real Job. Before I start getting to today's episode, I actually just wanted to take a minute to acknowledge our global listeners. So of course, like I'm very, very grateful to all our listeners and to our listeners in the UK. But you know, what's been really, really amazing about this project so far and what's really surprised me is we'd actually have been getting listeners across the world in some really funny places as well. Of course, like we'd interviewed people like Caroline, who's Danish, and you know, Ben, who's from America, and Carla in Spain and stuff. But we'd, we'd be getting lessons in places like well for example in the states whoever's in virginia thank you so much like i reckon we get 10 downloads there a week which is incredible so there's a couple of people in virginia listening whoever you are thank you very much canada as well ontario in particular we seem to be getting a lot of listeners there so thank you very much uh, listeners there but there's loads of countries like the most obscure ones which, which i find really random in a great way so whoever you are thank you and um, but we'd had listeners in peru uh, we'd had listeners in hungary we have listeners in australia loads of countries like france germany belgium i, I mean i'm not just going to list all these countries but just thank you to all our listeners across the world this blows my mind so i really appreciate you tuning in anyway for today's episode i got some quite good feedback the other week for reading out bad reviews of good movies i of course read out a bad review of shrek which i found very amusing and of course, when you're feeling very down as an artist, something I like to do anyway is to read uh, bad reviews of films I love because it makes you realise that, you know, even the best art can be criticised and, and it's almost funny. So obviously, usually start the podcast with a poem, but as I said the other week, going to start alternating between and uh, yeah, had some really nice feedback on reading that Shrek review. So today I'm going to share with you a review of Toy Story, which I think we can all agree is also a perfect movie. So this person has written the funniest review and it starts by saying, the Cynical and the Dead is what it's called. I found this amusing for about no minutes whatsoever. The movie has franchises written all over it. It's just se- selling our imagination to cheap commodities and to, and to brainwash our kids an open market economy. To be fair, maybe got a point slightly there, but however, I'll continue. Uh, the story is sporadic, the dialogue is, cre- is cliche, the characters banal, the message si- simmering wimpy crap only suited for a sadomasochist on a hangover. And then my favourite bit is, it's just CGI fluff pretending to be a children's classic only in the dreams of the cynical and the dead does this achieve such a thing. But anyway, I thought that was hilarious. Remember, if you're feeling down about your art, someone hated Toy Story, so you're never going to please everyone. Anyway, without much further ado, I would like to introduce this week's episode, which is with actor and writer Daniel Reynolds. And Daniel is a very inspiring individual, actually. He's just got such a positive get-up-and-go attitude, and I really, really enjoyed my conversation with Daniel. Hi, Daniel. How are you doing? Nice to see you again. Yeah, Jamie, it's good to see you as well, mate. Long time. Well, not really a long time. Well, has, has, has it been a long time since I think it was like three, three weeks ago. So I met you on the, the Lockdown Links Network. We'll give them a wee plug there, the Lockdown Links Network at night. So... This is the second time we chat, and uh, it's mm-hmm. a pleasure. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Daniel. 
Thank you for having me, Jamie. I've I've been I've been looking forward to coming on your podcast after we had that chat. Actually, I got in contact with you saying, "Come on, let's do it, let's yeah, do it," and uh, exactly. and we did, <laughs> and it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. It was great. Um, I'm thrilled. Well, Daniel, you're an actor, right? But you're also you. you well, we'll talk about it as we go on. But you 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 you'd written your own uh, kind of like web series recently, and so you're not just an actor. You're kind of like an actor and writer now, right? Yeah, I am. Believe it or not, which is crazy to be honest, because you know I only really wanted to kind of focus on one kind of genre of being an actor rather than a writer but there was just an idea that came up and you know in the current climate at the moment it's very hard for you to get work so it's like kind of make your own work you can make your own you know vision I suppose and and then that's how I started writing you know the web series A True Mismatch with uh, my co-writer Chris Scott. And I'm excited to talk about it as we go on but we like to start every episode of the podcast Daniel by asking our guests What's your earliest creative memories? Oh, I used to write stories when I was really young at primary school. You know, I used to always, yeah, write these stories that would come to my mind when I was really young, like really young. I'm talking six or seven. And I'd always go up to the teacher and be like, look at me, like, I'm writing stories. I'm writing stories. Look at this story. What do you think of this story? And that's how it, that's how it probably started, along with, you know, I was I went to Charles Cryer Theatre Company in, in Carshorton in Surrey when I was really young as well. And that's also my kind of first acting experience kind of thing when I was young. So, yeah, I would say those are the two things that I do remember of doing when I was really young. So how old were you when you did the acting thing, did you say? Sorry. I would say I was between the age of six to ten. I was there for a couple of years. I'd done Fame, Oliver, Annie. Yeah. and all that sort of stuff when I was really young. So I, was, I would say about four years between the age of six to 10, when you're really young, you've got all this energy you bring and your parents decide, oh, where should we put it? And then they just put you into a you know, theatre school and that's how I started. Yeah, it just brought this like, yeah, hunger for acting then and like sort of interest in it. I, I was talking to my uncle about this quite recently because I went for a phase where I kind of went and played rugby at a really high level when I was young. I was at Harlequins kind of oh, academy really? Oh, really? when I was really young. Yeah, I went for a rugby stage where I was playing rugby at the highest level at the age I was playing at. And, you know, if I'd have stayed on for an extra year, I could have gone to a private school mm. in, in London and uh, got a private school education. Yeah. And it would have been great for a working class lad like me to do that. However, I ended up kind of drifting away from that. I was quite, quite a free spirit when you're young. You're not really set on one thing. And I, I started acting young and then I had that big kind of rugby career break between the age of sort of 11 till I was about 16, 17. And I actually yeah. didn't come back into acting until I was about 25. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's interesting. So, well, another question we sort of asked, Daniel, is how did, this is, you kind of just touched on there, but how did where you're from, how has that affected your creative journey? And I know you moved to Scotland as well in 2011, so I imagine that's had an impact as well. Yeah, it has. Uh, I think getting a lot of life experience and, and experiencing life and experiencing different jobs and things like that really kind of helped with my creative mind as well. It's, you know, I think a lot of drama schools kind of say to people, you know, go away and get more life experience before you come back, which kind of helps you a lot and it does help your creative brain getting life experience I know I might sound like an old an old man here but it does it does help and you know going through all the stuff I went through during that time till I started acting in 2017 it helped me doing all these jobs you know meeting all these people meeting different characters not always sticking with the same group of friends as well like I would this this was me at high school 
Jamie, I swear, like this is me at high school. See, see the so-called misfit that would sit on their own and have their lunch. I would go and sit with them and have lunch with them. <laughs> and then I would go into the smoking area with the popular kids and go and have a cigarette with them. That was what I was like as a person. I still am to that to this day. I, I don't care, you know, who you are as a person, you know, skin color or, you know, sexuality or anything like that. I'll talk to you just as, as a human being and I respect you if you respect me and that's it. That's And like, I've always been like that ever since. It's I was, a great attitude to have. It is. Yeah, it's, it is good. But also sometimes you, you try and please too many people all the time. And, you know, sometimes you can't please everybody and people just dislike you just for no reason. I suppose that's just a part of life, isn't it? I suppose. <laughs> yeah, you can't really change it. It's something I'm learning is like, if people don't like you at the end of the day, you can't change it. There's no point like letting it bother you. It yeah. still does a little bit. Yeah, of course, of course. And it, uh, like I said, it's like when you go around and you meet all these different people and you socialize and network with all the different sorts of people rather than being in this one kind of environment, you do learn a lot and you learn about people and you learn about individuals, which then educates you. And, and then like, as I say, it does help your creative mind. And that's how I've become as creative as I am now. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's one of the things I love about doing this podcast is I'm getting to speak to such a range of people and they all, they're all different life stories and they're all different they all do different things and you know so it's similar but you know it's all different and I, I love it I'm learning so much so it's, it's great to speak to people like yourself great so this is imp- this is improving your creative yes. mindset as well definitely this is, like, this is this is like going from uh you know from one environment to another this is how you educate yourself and this is oh, a great absolutely. thing you're doing I, I really enjoy it I love doing podcasts and yeah I've seen some of the podcasts you have done and you know it's it's great what you're doing thank you mate well another question we asked Daniel is do you have a favorite word or phrase from where you're from and I know since you've lived in Scotland since 2011 I'm gonna let you have two you can have a Scottish one and you can have an English one. Right. My my English one is, my nan taught me this. My family taught me this. Don't ask, don't get. <laughs> I've kind of lived at that ever since I was really young because, you know, I, I grew up and, you know, we didn't have much money. So my mum used to say, you know, go and get yourself a job. If you've got no money, go and get yourself a job. And this is considering I was like 12 or 13 at the time. So I then sort of said, oh, you know, I want to start a business called like, you know, car washing. And like my mum was like, well, <laughs> if you don't ask people, you won't get. So I went out. And I started asking, knocking at people's houses, saying, you go three pound, I'll wash your car. See the amount of money I made. It's great. So I've lived by that ever since. So don't ask, don't get. It's so true. And it's something I'm really trying to teach myself because I'm I'm naturally quite an awkward person and I've never been great at emailing people I don't know. But something I'm forcing myself to do with this podcast, I just message people, I'm like, would you like to be on the podcast? Or, you know, would you like to listen to it? And it's such an important lesson, especially in the creative industries. You have to ask or you're not going to get places. Yep. And, and you had something. Don't ask, don't get. Yeah. And you had something great on your website website when I was reading your website before this interview Daniel and you you talked about how you'd written something about how like you get frustrated with fellow working class actors who almost make excuses because you you just sort of said if you want something and you want to go and get it enough sort of basically you've got to just do it and I thought I quite liked what you'd written about that actually yeah I feel I feel being a working class actor myself I, I, I do get sick of people using working class as a trend I'm sick of people using it as a yeah, fashion accessory I'm uh, you know I'm sick of people using the working class actor kind of you know mentality is you know we don't get enough opportunities it's like unfortunately we have to work that little bit harder but that comes from the route that we've been brought up in we have to work extra harder to get what we want and we should use that for a tool because on over in the long term it will benefit us definitely more if we keep that mentality going through us 
us for our whole lives, along with our obviously kids or, you know, grandkids, cousins and stuff like that to try and help, you know, promote. Because I feel a lot, I don't want to go too into too much politics about this, but I hear a lot of people saying, you know, oh, you know, working class actors don't get the opportunities that they deserve and, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, some of it is true. I get that. But then at the same time, if you keep reminding people that, then they're going to be like, oh, what's the point? I'm not going to bother. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like that, that kind of sentence that I said is like, I want people to ignore that and just channel their energy and their drive and use their working class traits just to go, do you know what? I've got nothing to lose. Let's just go for it and just yeah. see what happens. No, I totally get that. And I, and I do agree with you. I mean, because we're not, we're both not saying that there isn't like a, a gap there and there, there it does the industry in general across the creative industry does need to work harder and, and improve opportunities for people. But at the same time, of course, like we shouldn't like use it as an excuse. And like, sometimes I, I think you're right. If people keep hearing that, then they're more likely to think, well, why should I bother? And that's maybe something yeah, you need to exactly, work on. Exactly. So like like I said, I get that there is obviously, we don't, you know, working class actors don't necessarily get the opportunities, don't have the financial backing or like the pet, like a lot of people say that, you know, but it's, it's kind of true that the acting industry is full of majority middle class, upper class people because of the, the kind of culture behind it. And it's very common in that kind of class. And, you know, working class actors won't get the opportunities as much. But then at the same time, like we said, you don't want to drive it into their brains that, that they, they won't have a chance and then they won't bother giving it a shot anyway. Yeah. Definitely. you know what I mean it's just about encouraging people that's what I say it's about encouraging people to follow their dreams no matter where you're from absolutely and that's something we really try and get across on the podcast and we really want to champion on the podcast but anyway Daniel we've got a sidetrack there and not that I'm bothered I'm, Sorry. I enjoy, I enjoy this <laughs> yeah, conversation apologies. I just wondered was there a Scottish word or phrase that you'd really liked since you moved here uh, can it be inappropriate yeah you can say what you want I mean don't worry about it go for it right so what, I've got two, two words uh, one of them was jobby I remember Joby being one word because I remember when I moved to Scotland, somebody says, ah, you're a big Joby. And I was just like, oh, what is that? Is that like a, a big job or something? I don't know. And the other one I recently found out was Scuddies. Scuddies, yeah. Scuddies. And I was like, my God, what the hell is that word? And then somebody explained it to me. I was like, oh, all right, okay, right. Uh, okay, but still, what, what a fascinating word to call Scuddies. It's, it's, it's like, got a nice, nice sound to it, Scuddies. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not a word i use a lot but i do like no it. i was gonna i was gonna say i think i found out i think i um i found that word out from a really good friend of mine actually he, he kind of educated me on some of the slang and you know i that word had come up in conversation i was just like what the hell is that word he was like yeah, this is what it means i was like oh jesus okay right sweet well there you go that's one that a phrase that i've learned or word that i've learned so yeah those are the two <laughs> words that kind of i remember going oh jesus what you know like really kind of thing so yeah those yeah. are the two words well that segues us nicely into the next part of the podcast daniel so uh, you move up to scotland to paisley i think it was specifically and, and that's in 2000, yeah yeah that's 2011 right so was that like did your family move up here or did you move up here for work or did you just like what was the reason for that so originally my mum moved my brothers and sisters up to scotland in 2008 and i came up for like six months and I didn't like it so then I went back down and then you know I met my girlfriend at the time and lived in lived back in England for like two years and then I came back up in 2011 I, I 
unfortunately due to bad circumstances I actually was homeless at the time oh, uh, my mum yeah I, I I had nowhere to live and my mum had uh, booked me a one-way ticket up to Glasgow mum's always saved the day yeah so she she so she did and then yeah and that's why I ended up back in Scotland again and then you know the rest is history you know everything happens for a reason I know that was a really kind of negative part of my life where I was homeless but you know at the end of the day everything happens for a reason you know I wouldn't be sitting here now if that hadn't happened so oh. I'd rather take a positive from a negative rather than a do you know what I mean? So that's what that's the reason why I ended up back in Scotland. I really like that attitude you have there as well. Then you, you you are a very positive person. Like I love the way you take like negative things that have happened in your life and try and turn them into positive spins because it's such an important thing. And I think especially in lockdown at the moment, if something I'm certainly trying really hard to do is is take negative experiences and you know make them into something more positive and learn from them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, especially in this this day, you know, especially in the last kind of year, you know, keeping a positive mindset can be draining. Of course it can be trying to keep that mentality going. But you know, you also have your bad days as well, like I do. And I'm a very positive person all the time. But I do have those come down days as they say where you have yeah. that day where you're like oh i can't be bothered today and or you know i'm feeling a bit negative but that's just part part and parcel of life i suppose and yeah you always get over it eventually you just gotta no, keep definitely you stay positive yeah I, to be honest today actually i've been feeling a bit like oh it's quite a minging day here and like me too just, me too i've just not been <laughs> feeling it so but I'm, I'm i'm feeling it now since we started this conversation so i'm, I'm back in the mood yeah me too <laughs> but, well daniel i was reading as well on your website that you've been teaching street dance to the local community in paisley for what nine years or something yeah i've been teaching street dance and creative dance to kids around the area for about nine years i've really enjoyed it i started teaching in 2011 2012 and yeah i've met so many lovely people but unfortunately just recently i had to close i think it was it was time for me to to move on and take my next journey yeah, but it was also quite hard for me to say goodbye to the nine years I've been doing teaching. But as I say, like it's kind of one journey finishing, and an amazing journey it was to another journey that's just starting. That's even it's probably going to yeah. be just as exciting, if not more exciting. So yeah, no, I've been doing it for nine years. I've absolutely loved it. I've taught kids from the age of four to sixteen, taking them to competitions and events we've done, things like that. So I, that's the way I see it. I always like to give them a good, ex- you know, I want them to improve their experiences in performance and. I want to give them the confidence because at the end of the day, the way I used to see it is that I wanted the kids to become, not just help them become better dancers. I wanted them to become better people as well. And yeah. Kids, you know, and learn and educate them. And that's, that's what I did for nine years and I loved it. But unfortunately, as I say, it's come to an end and it's now on to the next chapter. Yeah, but it's still great you did that. And it's such a community, stuff like that in the community is so important. And I love the idea, like I love people using creativity to like improve their local communities. It's something I'm very passionate about. And would like to do more of myself as well. So I hope this podcast can help that too. I hope this podcast inspires people and stuff like that. Definitely. It does. It does me. It does me, Jamie. <laughs> good, good. So you, you decided to go to college in 2017 to do your HND in acting. So was that when you yeah. finally decided, I'm going, I'm getting back on that? Yeah. 2016, I was severely overweight. I was, you know, really overweight. I wasn't happy. And I was in a retail job where I was, I was a salesman and I loved work. And I loved and I earned good money, got myself in loads of debt without going into too much detail. And I was in Ibiza with my best friend, Craig Fields, <laughs> right? And we were on the beach. I was drinking a bottle of Buckfast, you know, 18, 19 stone of me. I wasn't as happy. You do. As you do, literally <laughs> at 11 o'clock at night, you know, and we were having this deep conversation. He just turned around to me and goes, Dan, what do you want to do? And do you know what? I just turned around and said, you know what? I want to be an actor. And he was like, well, go and do it. And then a year later, I applied for college. 
and then off I went. Yeah, and it's been it's been great. I think I've loved it. Yeah, big up to Glasgow Clay College. Their acting course, acting and performance course, I really enjoyed. The lecturers were great. You know, the people were great. I learned a lot as well. Yeah, I learned a lot because I was not a very political person. I've never been political. I've never understood politics because I was so tied up in my own life, focusing on because that's what they say about working class people. Working class people don't tend to focus on politics because they have more important things around their lives to focus on that they completely forget about everything else and just focus on what, what's around. And that was very much like I was. And then when I went to college, I was educated by 16, 17 year olds, like, which, which I, it, I didn't, I don't mean that in a patronizing way, but I, I meant as like, they would teach me something different, you know, something, yeah, they would teach me about politics, about big things like that. And you know, I learned a lot, not just from acting, but you know, political side as well. So, no, absolutely, and and you're so right about the working class thing in politics. I know we we don't need to go too much into politics on the podcast, but <laughs> it is so true because like you work in a factory nine till five or even longer, you know, long hours. You don't want to come home and turn the news on and and watch prime minister's questions. Like it's just, you just nah, don't want to do don't. that. Whereas if you yeah. like, you know, are consultant and work four hours a day, you're much more likely to to want to just, you know, you'll go and read about politics or whatever if you have the time, I guess. So yeah, yeah it's definitely very true. So did yeah. you enjoy your time at college and what sort of things did you learn there in terms of acting and I, stuff? Oh my god, I loved it. I absolutely loved it and I missed it. I missed the everyday going in because the course we were doing was quite intense. It was Monday to Friday, nine to five. You know, it was really intense. But I loved it. I learned so much. I learned the you know the craft of acting. I learned pre- about practitioners. I learned about, you know, I learned from my fellow actors in, in class. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I was I was raw as they came, literally. I walked in and done an audition. Right. So without going into too much detail, but I walked in, I'd done an audition, I'd done an audition. Obviously, you do an audition, you do two pieces. I went in and done two pieces, but from films, and it said two contemporary pieces, right? So I've done two films. But one of my auditions, I played eight different characters. So like <laughs> I was going in and out of these, I was going in and out and around, and I was like doing like one character, changing a voice, changing position. It's like split. My, yeah, but basically, yeah, it was. And people still laugh to this very day, like, how the hell did you get in done with that? I was like, I don't know. But my my lecturers actually told me which was really nice when I left. They were like, we saw raw talent there. We, you were very raw and we felt that we could we could sort of channel you and guide you into becoming a really, really good actor. And, you know, yeah. I worked hard and I listened. And I, as I said, I didn't learn just from the lecturers. I learned from the guys around me, you know, actors who were in my class because they were so talented. I would always listen to them because they'd been doing it for like longer than me. That's the way I see it. You know, I'm 25. Yeah, I'm an older person, you know, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, I feel like I'm, you know, literally five or six years old and everyone else is like 18. I'm learning from them. That's that's how I saw it. And and that's how I became and was improving so quickly was because of that. Yeah, I, I definitely. And I think the thing you were saying earlier about like having life experience, I'm sure that probably was so important and, and really probably really helped in, in how raw you were. I think if you're having all that experiences yeah. probably um, was a big part in that definitely yeah no definitely it, it was it's very um it, it did help but like as i said I, sometimes i don't give myself enough credit you know i i like to kind of thank other people for for helping me because i do listen to a lot of other people mm. and you know i like to be guided by people who are more experienced but but yeah definitely the life experience def- definitely helped people used to take the mickey out of me because i used to always mention that all the time it's like yeah you know life experience is so important you know they'll be like oh, look at dan always talking about life experience but see, I was like that five years time, guys. So you'll come back to me and you'll be like, Dan, you're right. Need more life experience <laughs> and it helps. <laughs>
Hello, it's Jamie and Elliot here. I hope you're enjoying today's episode of Just Get A Real Job. I just wanted to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, word of mouth is the best way for us to grow. So please, if you can, share us on social media, tell your friends and family to listen. You can also support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcast. We really appreciate your help. So anything you can do to help us grow this project is very much appreciated. We do appreciate your support as always. And if you would like to contribute or donate to our podcast, we also have a Patreon page where you could donate as little as much as you wish you can access this by going to www.patreon.com slash just get a real job so thank you very much again for all your support and you can also find a link to the patreon page in the show notes but anyway now back to today's show well daniel so you finished college last year didn't you graduated in 2020 yes so you come out of college and what are you what's your, what are you thinking are you thinking like i'm gonna go and do more acting or did you go straight into like making a true mismatch i went straight into i went in straight into acting literally i was i was not hanging around from the minute lockdown happened i was like right i don't think college is going to be back probably not going to get my dip show so therefore i'm not going to get myself an agent but i didn't think like that i went and done my own thing i was like contacting agents i actually got my agent actually scouted me on social media oh wow which i was i was quite lucky and she called me and you know she's been great so big shout out to my agent georgia panico who's uh who's in london at the moment and she, you know she she's kind of spotted me on social media and you know that they were looking for graduates because obviously the whole the whole situation with lockdown and mm-hmm. people's diploma shows being cancelled and because obviously a diploma show is important because agents go to it and then you can get Absolutely. signed and, but i you know i ended up just going out and just you know auditioning Auditioning, using platforms like backstage you know i'm on imdb now you know spotlight i've got spotlight as well so kind of using all these platforms to really push myself social media as yeah. well to really kind of try and get 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 some work and i you know i got quite a lot of auditions last year i was also got bookings as well so yeah it was as i say like like i say if you don't ask don't get you just got to keep pushing yourself out there you just got to keep working hard you know and keep that enthusiasm enthusiasm is so important it absolutely is if you lose enthusiasm you lose it you know, to yeah. keep that enthusiasm is is hard. But if you really love something, the enthusiasm will always be there. I can just tell from this conversation how enthusiastic you are. Like it very much comes across, which I'm sure really helps. I think Daniel, what's been great in lockdown and one of the big positives of it is seeing how people have adapted and have stayed creative and have pushed themselves to keep doing things. And I think you've done that very well. And I, I think the listeners, for anyone listening who's, who's maybe feeling like they can't do much and they're stuck at home, I think Daniel is a great example of someone who's really, really you know adapted to this and use social media in a very very positive way to like keep doing things so kudos for that yeah, definitely as i say it's, it's all about adapting us as humans have to adapt because in times things change you know we advance more so obviously with technology and stuff like that so it's all about adapting finding other ways of staying creative and it just keeps your mind occupied and it definitely helps it's great yeah it's definitely the best form of therapy as well i think being creative oh yes oh yes <laughs> <laughs> like the church <laughs> oh yes <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like we should. It's now a great time to talk about your very exciting project, which you're working on just now, which seems to be going great from the outside. <laughs> but would you like to tell the listeners about a true mismatch? Yeah. So, a true mismatch is a, a Victorian period drama that we've written myself and Chris Scott, who is a actor, director, award-winning director, by the way, who's based in in air. And yeah, a true mismatch is about you know the clash of classes between the middle class upper class and the working class and it just you know there's a bit of a kind of Romeo and Juliet story along with crime murder and mystery and oh it's just there's so much going on and yeah that's what a true mismatch is it's I think I think the uh, the Daily Record kind of said it was kind of like Peaky Blinders meets Bridgerton meets Oliver Twist 
That's what the <laughs> papers were saying. I, I saw it was in the paper the other day. I was, I was buzzing for you guys. Yes, they, there was a, a really great article. We'll link under the podcast, like a, about the show. And because you guys filmed a promo trailer recently and it, it looks very exciting. Yeah, as I say, we, we felt we filmed the concept trailer because we're, we're obviously doing our crowdfunding soon. We wanted to get that so people could watch what we're trying to do with the costumes, with the scenery we've picked and everything, because we've picked a location in Paisley that's just Victorian central. I mean, I, one of the locals came up to me and were like, oh, we're really excited you guys are filming here. You know, we we would, you know, so many of the locals are actually, you know, going to give us backing and donate because they've told us and it's, it's great to see, but Paisley's got some great Victorian streets that are listed mm. and Vic, Queen Victoria actually went up them herself and mm. we wanted to, to to use that and and it's, yeah, it's, it's exciting and you know big up to all the cast crew i mean i'd be here all day if i was if i if i gave all of their names and they know who they are because we were out there filming on a couple of saturdays ago and it was freezing (laughs) freezing i think i've said this to a guest on the podcast before but the best advice i've had because i've i try and like i've obviously worked as a runner and a few things before and things and the best advice i got was from a assistant director on a shoot and and he said to me do you want to work in the scottish film industry jamie buy yourself a bloody good coat (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i just thought that was great advice yeah but no i love how um, you're embracing the grassroots for this project because i know you made like all the casting crew you want to be local and you want them to be scottish as well is that correct so the the actual story is based in london so it is is based in victorian london however we've got everybody who's in the crew is scotland based everybody in the cast apart from one person is scotland based so it's really really like to help the creative arts in scotland because like as i say see, see nina gray who's playing the lead role alice she's scottish but her english accent is amazing and we audition people you know with different accents and things like that so we could kind of mix it up a little bit and you know it was she she was fantastic and stephen coral who's playing mr godfrey now he he is an evil man <laughs> as you can probably tell by the pictures but stephen is by the way he's the complete opposite he's the complete opposite and, you know, he's he's originally from Cornwall, but he lives in, he's based in Edinburgh. So as I say, it's like we're getting Scotland-based creators together to create this kind of period drama. Because, you know, a lot of people have given us so much praise for it because only Outland is really the only big kind of yeah. period drama. I know we're a small production, but it could potentially go as big as we want, you know. So, no, I, and we I want think... to use the local area of Paisley and, yeah. you know, local cottages that have still got that Victorian touch to, to really bring our story alive. Yeah, no, but I think you deserve that praise because I think I, I think that's brilliant because you know as you say that we there isn't enough things in Scotland for film and TV like it's growing and there is some great shows and like more stuffs coming here I believe but it's great to see you like really focusing on like local people and get, and making because we should have a thriving industry in this country like there's so many talented people in Scotland and and in the UK and across the world but you know that are based in Scotland there's a lot of talent and it's great to see them getting a platform to make something yeah definitely and I think. Uh, the, the wee boy Caden McClay who's playing one of the pickpocket boys he's going to be in the first episode as well along with another kid that we've uh, we've casted like he absolutely loved it you know he'd never done film before he'd never given like he'd never done acting and it was just you know we're giving somebody an opportunity who likes to act and things like that but hasn't actually pursued it so we gave him the opportunity and he absolutely loved it and he enjoyed oh. it 
and you know he's from the local area so it, i suppose it gives gives young kids something to look forward to as well as you know other creators like us as well so well so daniel how did the how did this come about like where did the idea from this come from and when did this, you first start writing it the idea for, for me for, for me I, I can't speak on behalf of chris because i mean i could actually because when we spoke about it we had a meeting in air just before the this lockdown happened so where people were still able to meet and stuff like that in cafes we had a meeting in a cafe the good old and, days um, yeah the good old days chris <laughs> had just done loads of short films and you know he's he's an award-winning director now and and i looked at him and i just went chris you know, we've worked together before. I'd love to do something. So we, you know, we ended up brainstorming. And I think last year or the year before, I'd done like a 1920s kind of swing on Antigone. The Greek tragedy is, I think it is. And Paul, oh, look at me, I'm an actor and I, I completely forgot. It's just because my, <laughs> my mind has been blown over the last few weeks. So, But I, I what I did is I put a 1920s kind of, you know, Peaky Blinders. I started watching Peaky Blinders and I thought, oh, I'm going to put this kind of swing on this kind of play and adapt it. And I kind of got the idea. And then, you know, we started brainstorming. We thought, Victorian times. Oh, yes, let's go there. And then it just, the story just came together. We've actually got quite a few Scottish characters in it, even though it's based in London. Because we are Scottish. Scotland based we wanted more Scottish characters in it because like back then you know it wouldn't have everybody you know not everybody would have been English you know you would have had Irish you know Scottish <laughs> and like people living in London or around that area at the time so like we wanted to add a couple of Scottish yeah. characters so people could just do their natural accents and it's fantastic it's you know it's, it's a really good mix which is great we're really excited for people oh, to man. see it but but that's how the whole writing kind of started you know we had a few meetings and we were up until like four o'clock in the morning kind of writing the first episode and then the story just I think as soon as you have the story it's so easy to write it's coming up with the story first probably the hardest and longest part but it actually came pretty quickly for us too because we're quite similar writers like when we came up with an idea we never disagreed we always agreed on it which was great oh, that's interesting I've never co-written with someone else before um, I'm about to work on a show with Caroline who was on the podcast before we were working on something together and that, I'm really excited oh, to do that. so I'm excited to experience like what co-writing's like and stuff like that so I want do you have an, an, anything to say about co-writing? I, I always, I always say, Jamie, that you know, what uh, two brains is better than one. Yeah. As long as you're working in a good environment where everyone's on the same page, it then starts getting difficult if people are not agreeing or this. You know, that's when it starts getting really, really difficult, and then, yeah. and the, the whole creative kind of you know cycle then becomes really kind of stressful rather than just being uh, finding somebody who you who has the same enthusiasm as you, who has the same kind of idea, who's good to work with that is a good creative space to have. And myself yeah. and Chris had that. As I say, we just kept going off each other. And that's the advice I would give anyway, is to see when you obviously write with somebody, make sure that you, you guys are both on the same page and you're both good to work with. <laughs> yeah, Otherwise yeah. it then starts getting difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, I'm excited to see where you take a true mismatch. It's a, it's a very exciting project and I'm sure we'll be hearing plenty about it in the coming months and weeks. It's exciting. Yeah, we, we are very excited. Like, like, I, like I've said, I've myself and a couple of others we put our own money into creating the concept and getting costumes and to try and give us a you know a bit of a platform so people can see what we're trying to put together and we've got to raise three and a half thousand pounds on the crowdfunding indiegogo to make the first episode but you know that three and a half thousand pound goes straight into the creative arts it goes into the local yeah. economy you know it's not going into my pocket it's going it's going to be spread out to paying this paying the crew paying the cars getting the costumes getting permits located 
locations. So it's all going back into the local economy. So that's the way we see it. It's like we get the money and then we kind of spread it out into the creative arts. That's what's really important for us yeah, is to definitely. give back to the creative arts because, you know, I won't take any money. Like I won't pay myself out of the money. You know, I'll be doing it all for free because, you know, it's my project and I would rather invest that money into other people, other talent or into the next episode. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have one. I just have one more question about this project Go for, for you. It. But it's basically, yep. I, I know you, as you were just saying, you've you very much crowdfunded it yourself so far, and you you really built this from the ground up, and you've taken a very grassroots approach, which is commendable. And you know, I, I love the enthusiasm that's went into it. But I just wanted, do you have any advice for anyone who maybe wants to do a show themselves, and like, how, like how have you went about getting people interested in stuff? I think I've, I'm quite lucky because you know I've worked in sales all my life, so I could I could sell you a pen. You know, if I if, <laughs> if I have a, an idea that I think is going to do really well, I can sell it to everybody, and everybody's on board. But the only I think it's it's about you've got to have confidence in the project. You've got to feel that it's going to do well. If you have that enthusiasm and that confidence, then everybody else will be happy to be a part of it because you're you are the driving force behind it to let it happen. So if you don't have that, then don't rush into it because you see a lot of people that do projects that go like go in half assed and yeah. it's not great. Because it means that you might have problems with other, you know, people might not like the way you're doing things and they might want help and, and things like that. So I'd recommend it's like if you are sold on an idea, really push it, really push it and it, yeah. it will work. And it's about selling it to everybody else and everybody else will come on board and will have that same enthusiasm for it. And it will just be in a great environment to work. Because like I said, when we done the concept trailer, everybody was enthusiastic. I think everybody had a buzz when they went home. Everybody was pure buzzing, you yeah. know, because they loved it. And I remember uh, Nina, who's, who's playing Alice, um, messaged me. She was just like, oh my God, I can't believe it's over. I've got to wait till May to film the first episode. <laughs> oh. So oh. like, you know, everyone pure loved it. And that, that's what, what you need when you start up a project is you need that enthusiasm you need that confidence that it's going to do well because if you don't then it's going to then people who come on board are going to kind of sense that and not yeah, necessarily man. think it's going to go anywhere and might pull out rather than you're more likely to have people stay on board people be you know really enthusiastic about it if you've got enthusiasm about yeah. it i mean as, you, as we talked about so much in this episode already but enthusiasm just such an important thing in this industry you gotta have it and like do you know what I mean? I think that's the reason this podcast has is, is been, I don't want to say successful because that's maybe stick going too far. But Oh, it has I, been. Listen, I, I can say it, Jamie. I can say it. Okay. It has been successful. <laughs> I can say that. I, I can think, say yeah, it has I, been successful. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, I just mean that I think the reason people have listened and we'd had, and I'm so grateful for the support we'd have had, but I think the reason is purely a lot of it's from the enthusiasm of the guests and enthusiasm of me and Elliot and, and pushing it and it's so true like I think if you just really go for something and you just keep doing it then people will take notice definitely definitely, well, definitely. I've got some acting questions for you Daniel oh go on go for it <laughs> so these are kind of quite a bit more quick fire they're, they're quite fun I think you'll probably enjoy them so first one is who's your favorite character you'd had the opportunity to play uh guy in love my way in northern town 1980s Doug working class Doug and Steve in earthquakes in London nice I haven't heard of either plays. I'm, I'm very sorry, but I'm sure they were good. <laughs> yeah, no, the first one's a feature film and the second ah, one okay. is a play. Yeah, as a play, yeah. Awesome. Right, well, I've got another question then. If you could play anyone from history, like any figure from history, who would it be? Oh, Johnny Wilkinson, probably. The rugby player. Oh, really? oh that is a, that's, quite a, that's quite a good answer, actually. Yeah, fair. Yeah, Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah, Johnny Wilkinson, because he kind of, his whole psychological way of thinking changed rugby 
and the way professionals think during that era. Like, look at them mm. now. Like, professional rugby players all have that mentality now, you know? Yeah. So he kind of made it. He was kind of in the area where it was going from semi-professional to professional. And, like, yeah. he kind of set the marker of the obsession when it came to working hard, fitness, diet, you know, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Kind of like the way Arsene Wenger kind of transformed Premier League as well kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. I would like to play Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah. Very quiet uh, guy, which is a complete opposite yeah. to what I am as well. So it would have been interesting to, to play him. That's a really interesting answer because like, I like that he went for something that's not been done before as well because, you know, like a lot of historical figures have been, you know, played like five or six times. So that's, a, that's quite a nice little answer, actually. Oh, cool. <laughs> well, I also wondered, who are your big acting influences then? Are there any actors, or not just actors, but like directors or, or creatives in general? Who are your like big influences? The, I go and see the Scottish Orchestra quite a lot. Oh, really? um, so I love John Williams. I love Hans Zimmer. But my biggest influencer is Mr. Robin Williams which I have oh. him actually I, I'll just I'll, I'll get it down now my other half bought me this for my birthday oh wow I don't know if you can see that yeah I can see I know the yeah. listeners can but he's, he's a very nice picture of Robin Williams yeah it's him as Pan yeah that's my favorite film and it was directed by Steven Spielberg who I have a lot of respect for yeah and it was also the music was done by John Williams who I also have a lot of respect for so it's a great yeah, film he's my biggest influence very underrated film I feel oh yeah I know it's so underrated I think I think it's one of Steven Spielberg's greatest films my happy thought took me three days to find it but guess what happened when i did huh? i went you know what my happy thought was it was you you know um i was listening to a podcast that i did with mark commode and he said something really interesting apparently when he interviewed spielberg Spiel- he asked spielberg what about how he watches his own films back and spielberg said if he could watch one film back he would watch that one back to see what went wrong i don't think steven spielberg likes that film yeah i don't think he does any i don't think he does but you know i think with steven spielberg a lot of his movies he does with john williams and i think john williams definitely helps you know yeah. with the music you know it's oh, it's so underrated it's yeah. my favorite it's my christmas film it's my christmas yeah. film. Like it's a good film I, I've not seen it for years but I really liked that one as a child like that was definitely in the VCR player a very very popular one in my household yeah yeah and it'd always be recorded on Christmas day or something <laughs> stick stick on the VHS record when it was on BBC oh, yeah. One or I remember, ITV I remember video, stuff, yeah. video record and that was I remember I used to record like I try and record episodes of Doctor Who and stuff and I'd like stick it in the wee like video player you'd always miss the start or yeah. something <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. I know, none of that now. You just turn up. <laughs> I mean, even if there's not a film on a streaming site, you just end up paying £3.50 to rent it on Amazon Prime. And you're like, why am I even paying for the yeah. subscription? <laughs> 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 oh, fun times. Well, another question I've got, this is another acting one for you, is um, how do you personally deal with rejection? I think this is quite an important thing for us to try and talk to. It's something we ask all the actors we have on the podcast because I think the listeners really benefit from hearing that. Do you know what, Jamie? I don't know how I deal with it i think i just i think because of my enthusiasm it doesn't get tampered with when i get rejected i think it's just a part of the industry and you have to accept it quite early on when you start it's about drilling that into your mind that you are going to get rejected 90 yeah. percent of the time but like you are you know it's, it's really hard because you're going up against you know hundreds of people and stuff like that and the way the way i deal with it is i think i just keep myself busy and i move on to the next thing you know i always try and look for the next thing coming rather than just kind of dwelling on that so if like if i don't hear back i'll just keep you know i'll do my audition that's the way i'll wait 
next thing Definitely. rather than just dwelling on that one thing one thing one yeah. thing one thing like that it's like straight on to the next and then yeah that's how i i think that's probably how i deal with it is you know just keep uh, keep working away really that's really interesting and that's actually what matt boyle said on his he's also an actor i think i don't know if you know him but like he said that on the podcast as well yeah I've, think, I've heard of matt boyle yeah yeah yeah, yeah. definitely like uh and a, a good approach to take well another right, something we ask everyone that comes on the podcast at the moment it's a new question we're sort of introducing and it's a hard one to answer but what's like your dream goal in the creative industries like if you could like what's the dream for you i want to earn a comfortable living i want to be doing this full time you know i want to be doing this all the time like i make a living you know and be comfortable that's that's the dream whether it takes me to hollywood or whether i'm in a soap every first six years or something like that i want to i want to earn a good living and i want to yeah i want that to be my main source of income because obviously when you're an actor you you, you tend to have another job on the side and that's what i, I do at the I moment think I just any creative in general job. I think just any creative in general is the same. I don't think it's just acting. I think we're all like that. Do you know what I mean? We have. Yeah, yeah, it is. We, we are. We are. Yeah, you're right, Jamie. We, we're all this like in the same boat. It's like whether you're a musician or an actor or you know director or you know anybody in the creative arts. You know, you do have a side job to help you pay the bills, and then you know anything you make on top of that is you know is is fantastic. So, but that's that's the the realistic dream is I want to be earning a good living from it, and I want to be making money. Money's not the main importance at the moment. Because as yeah. an actor, I've done free work. I've done expenses paid only work. I've done like non-union work and I've done equity minimum work. And I've done, I've done a bit of everything, you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, to get any form of work in this industry yeah. is, great, is a great feeling. You shouldn't necessarily think about the money. But as I say, the long-term goal is to be earning good money and living well that's the yeah. long-term goal i'm the exact same and i think that's such a like I, I like that you just said that as well it's such an honest way of just being like look i'm because you know some people answer that and that's fine some people answer it with their proper dream like you know they want to go what they all the things they want to achieve but that's just such a nice like goal to set yourself because it's as you say it's realistic and yeah just to earn a living and be comfortable and being able to create and and do what you love yeah ex exactly and like you know if i go to hollywood i go to hollywood you know it's you know how many people have that dream of going to hollywood and you know earning as much money as dwayne the, the rock johnson does you know it's you know it's very unrealistic but it's not impossible no we'll, we're gonna hollywood it's not now. impossible we're, we're i think yes yeah we will oh we will i've already <laughs> said to i've already said to my better half it says you're right us moving to la one day with the dogs she was like, oh, is there any snakes and spiders? I'm not too I'm not too sure about the snakes and spiders with the dogs in the garden. You know, I don't want a big bet bill. I'm like, all right, okay. She's, she's, she's maybe against it a little bit. But but at the same, at the same time, it's um, it's not impossible. You yeah. know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, for example, look where he came from yeah. to where he is now. Anything is possible. Honestly, it is. It's not impossible. It's not yeah. impossible. Anything is possible. Just as long as you put your mind to it, you keep that enthusiasm and you focus and you keep living your dream, you'll be fine. Things will work yeah. out for you. Definitely. Just get a real well, we're nearly there, but I, well, something which you just touched on there, but segued nicely as you were talking about, we all have to work. But one, we ask everyone that comes on the podcast, what's the worst part-time job or the worst job you've had to work? Right, okay. Oh, yeah, because... <laughs> I I would say I, I it was rewarding at times, but being in a, a home care assistant during when when you're really young, sort of 18, 19 years older, that was probably the worst job I had. You know, wiping people's bums and all that sort of stuff. That young age wasn't really, but you know, the job I wanted to do at the time, but I had I had no choice because I had its good days, but I also a lot of days because I wasn't in the right frame of mind I didn't enjoy the job I hated it and yeah that was probably my worst worst job doing I've, do, I've done a lot of jobs and that's probably one of the you know it is rewarding to some people 
you know, I understand yeah. that. But for me, it's I didn't enjoy it at all, especially well, when you're really young as well. I think yeah. doing it now, I'd, I'd maybe have a different kind of mindset yeah. to it. But when I was really young, I was like, oh, no. I, I, it's slightly different to that because <laughs> I'm not working with old people, but I work with uh, disabled adults as a support worker. That's my flexible part-time job. And I have a sort of love-hate relationship mm-hmm. with the job. Like, it's very rewarding. I do it sort of semi, full-time, part-time basis. And as you say, like, I don't know if I could have yeah. done this when I was 18 19 I think I would have hated it but I mean I started this job I think I was 21 and it changed my life actually mm-hmm. the way I look at life now I'm, I'm so glad I've, I've, I've done this job not that I want to do it forever but you know it's, it's really like changed my perspective on things like seeing people with disabilities and stuff it really opens your eyes up so respect for even doing a job like that in the first place yeah definitely definitely and um you know like like you said it's probably a, I, being really young at the time it's probably you know it was probably worse back then than what I, if i were to do it now i'd probably be a lot more kind of i'd enjoy it probably more because i knew how rewarding it was but when you're really young it's like you're going in out of jobs trying to learn about yourself really and that was one thing i learned is i didn't i didn't really enjoy that kind of work at the time and and it, I, the company wasn't great neither actually to be honest but i won't go into detail with no, that don't but, worry. Uh, but that was years ago yeah. That was like 10 years ago now. So, oh, 10 years ago. I feel old now. Man. <laughs> Jesus. Actually, I think it was longer than that, actually. Yeah, it was 11 years. Yeah, yeah. Sorry if I'm making you feel old there. No, don't be silly, Jamie. It's all good. <laughs> don't worry. You're not the only one who makes me feel old. I think everybody does. <laughs> oh, well, Daniel... Thank you very much for giving us your time uh, tonight. It's, I really appreciate it. Well, we like to end the podcast by asking our guests. You've been giving it throughout the whole episode, to be fair, but would you like to summarise your, your tips and advice for anyone who wants to firstly be an actor, but maybe also wants to just work in the industry in general, just for young creatives out there or any creatives that want to get into it? Just do it. Just just don't don't live in regret. Just just get yourself out there and really do it. If you're passionate about it and like that's like that word we've been saying for the whole podcast, that enthusiasm. Go out there and really push it. You know, if you don't if you if you don't have that enthusiasm and you don't have that love for it, then you know it might not be for you at the end of the day. But at the same time, you know, don't live in regret. Push out there, get yourself out there as much as possible and really push yourself. And you know, it will be rewarding. I promise. Yeah, that's absolutely. my that's my bit of advice. It's good. Let's do it. It's great. And like, yeah, Nike are going to sponsor us. I hope you get a lot of money for that, Jamie. I hope so. But um, If you get a lot of money for that as well, you can maybe yeah, crowd, well, help help us with the crowdfunding as we well. We absolutely will. Yeah. <laughs> please, please go and crowdfund for Daniel's project, A True Mismatch. And also, feel free to also donate to our patron, um, either or. Donate to both, please. But just quickly, Daniel, yeah. before you go, I just wanted to ask a cheeky question as I know you're a fellow Manchester United fan. Is 21 coming, Daniel? No, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't think so. No, it definitely isn't. I just wanted to see if you would say yes. For uh, Obviously, none, I'm, I'm realistic. I know it's not. I just thought it'd be funny. <laughs> it would be nice. It would be nice. I think I think Man United are um, surprising. But I think this league, I, I'll be honest, actually, Jamie, I don't know because anything could happen because, yeah. you know, the, the, we're in strange times. And we're in a strange league at the moment. Anything yeah. can happen. I know nine, nine nil, nil last, last night. <laughs> I know, incredible. Anything can happen. Yeah. Just hope City, well, hope City drop a few points, and then we'll be back in it again. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Right. Well, Daniel, thank you very <laughs> much for your time. Thank you very much. Anytime. Thank you, Jamie.
hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Just Get A Real Job. A big thank you to Daniel once again for giving us his time and chatting to us. I really enjoyed our conversation. Remember, if you liked what Daniel had to say, check the links in the show notes. But more importantly, remember to go and support the A True Mismatch Indiegogo campaign. It's a truly amazing project. They're doing great things and it's just really inspiring to see them building it from the grassroots. Um, so big shout out to the team at A True Mismatch. Uh, honestly, doing great things there. Also, of course, if you're enjoying the podcast, this is episode 19. So there's, we've recorded a lot of episodes now. So if you ha- if you just joined us for this one, go back and listen to our back catalogue. There's some great conversations there. Um, remember, word of mouth is the way we grow. So tell your friends and family to listen, share us on social media, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, all that sort of thing goes a long, long way. And if you can afford the price of a cup of coffee, the price of a pint per month, please donate to our Patreon page. Um, all the money we make goes back into the podcast, apart from 10%, which we give to a different creative charity each month. But yeah, there's a link to the Patreon again in the show notes, so please donate. But anyway, thank you for listening, and we'll be back at the end of the week with another episode of Just Get A Real Job. Stay safe, folks. Just get a real